Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. If you brought your Bibles this evening, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the book of Numbers in chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. And we will begin at verse 22. Numbers 14:22, And what I would like to talk to you about tonight is following the Lord fully. Following the Lord fully. How many of you know that He wants us to follow Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength in everything that is in our being? Well, that's following the Lord fully. In, do, in Numbers uh, 20, 14, verses 22, through 24, we read, Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. I want you to notice in that verse, verse 24, it says that Caleb had another spirit with him, and he followed the Lord fully. To qualify as one who follows the Lord fully involves two things. First of all, one must be a student of the Word. One must be a student of the Word, dedicated to transforming learning into living. Dedicated to transforming learning into living. Thank God for what we learn, but I'll tell you what, it's what we live that counts. We'll talk about that for a minute before I give you step number two. I want you to turn with me to the book of Titus, if you would, please, in the New Testament. The book of Titus in chapter 2. Beginning at verse 11. To give you an idea of what it means to transform learning into living, I want to expound here on these particular verses in the book of Titus. For the grace of God, in verse 11, Titus 2:11, that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that. Notice, what it teaches we are to learn, and what we learn we are to live. Do you agree to that? What we learn we are to live. And what does the grace, the word of God's grace teach us? that we are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. That's first. Everyone who names the name of Christ, everyone who sets out to follow the Lord fully, must be taught through the word of grace to deny two things, ungodliness and worldly lusts. Well, what does that mean? Well, whatever is against God, whatever crowds God out of the life, we are to deny. 
There are certain things that want to enter into your life and my life as a believer, and we are to deny its right to do so. Anything that goes against the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, the character of God for our lives, we are to deny and keep out of our lives. And also it goes on to say worldly lusts. And that means selfishness, pride, sensuality, and desires that attach itself or themselves to the direction of the world or earthly things. And every one of us who names the name of Christ through the word of grace is taught this. But what we're taught, what we learn, we are to live. So to be qualified as one who fully follows the Lord, you must be a student of the Word, dedicated to transforming your learning into living. In other words, this is what I do, not just what I say. Secondly, it teaches us to do certain things. To do certain things. We are to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, but also we are to live, number one, soberly. This is speaking with regard to self. I should live soberly. That means controlling or exercising self-control in eating, drinking, speaking, as well as acting with regard to my own life. Soberly means with regard to myself, I exercise self-control. And I thank God for the positive gospel message, don't you? I thank God for the glorious things we can have in Jesus. And I believe He wants us to experience all things to enjoy in this life. But, beloved, the complete package involves self-denial, controlling what we eat, drink, controlling what we say, our speaking, as well as our acting. We can, through the power of God, and the transforming power of the Word act the way God wants us to act in this life. And we can speak the way God wants us to speak in this life. But, once again, are we dedicated to transforming learning into living? If we are, then we'll achieve that. We'll accomplish that. And then he goes on to say, we are to live also righteously, and that is with regard to others. You see, beloved, we must be correct in character before we can be correct in conduct. We must be correct in character before we can be correct in conduct. We live righteous before the world because we manifest the character of Christ on the inside of us. Because we love Him so dearly and conform to His very image, we demonstrate through righteous living to a world that's in darkness our good works, that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. That's living righteously in this evil world in which we live. And then he goes on to say, and godly in this present world. This is with regard to God himself. And there are two phases to living godly in this world, the internal and the external. First of all, the internal includes or consists of the right knowledge of God I must possess. I must take it upon myself to learn of Him. Paul's quest was to know Him better, to know Jesus and the wonders of His person, 
To live godly, I must be so consecrated and dedicated to knowing the Father, knowing the Son, and knowing the living Spirit of the living God. It also includes obtaining a complete trust in Him. I must learn to trust Him with all the affairs of my life. It's internal. It's something that I develop through the study of His Word. I put it into a practical practice in my life. It's taking learning and transforming it into living. I learn to trust Him and so I act accordingly. That's living godly before Him, shutting out ungodliness, allowing Him to work in me. It also includes a complete subjection to His will. And I should add a cheerful, joyous subjection to His will. I am not here to do my own will. I am here to do the will of Him that sent me. I want to transform that into living, to become an experience in my life with regard to subjecting myself to the will of God, to do what He would have me to do, to go to where He would have me to go, to say what He would have me to say, to act the way He would have me to act. This is all an important part of the internal aspects of godliness, to live godly in this life. Also to possess a fervent love for Him. A fervent love for Him. Beloved, God wants us to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. With all the energies of our being, we are to fervently love the living God. This is an aspect of this purpose of God within our lives that cannot be overlooked. It also includes a genuine longing to experience fullness of joy. In other words, fullness of of life, enjoyment is found in Him. And that must be an internal manifestation within our lives. I long to find the fulfillment of my joy in Him. You see, beloved, when one possesses this, it doesn't matter what others do. It doesn't matter what others say. It doesn't matter how others act. You know why? Because your joy is found full and complete in Him. Your life is satisfied in Him. And the rest, that's just icing on the cake. I've learned this a long time ago. If you don't expect a lot out of people, you won't be disappointed. Expect little. If you get a lot, you'll be happy. But as far as God is concerned, expect everything. If you find your satisfaction in Him, you will not be disappointed. External consists of the adoration we should have of God and true worship of Him in spirit and in truth. To live godly means that I must, as an act of my will, worship Him and adore Him as the only true and living God. I must. I must be so in love with Him that I long to worship Him and to bless Him. Beloved, we need to know how to worship God. 
He is seeking true worshipers that worship Him in spirit and in truth. And we should say, look no further. Here I am, Lord. I will love you. I will bless you. I will worship you and adore you for you are the living God worthy of my affection. Do you believe that tonight? And we need to transform that learning into a living experience. Something that is carried out in our lives on a daily basis. And beloved, just because we see it in the Word and may know it, it has to be that which is alive in us. Not just a mechanical understanding of a truth, but an actual living experience to where you can't wait to get into His presence and adore Him and worship Him and love Him out of the depth of your soul. It also includes, that is the external, includes serving Him faithfully. Living your life in service of God. You know in your heart you have a purpose and a plan on earth as far as God is concerned. And you choose to serve. To find and fulfill the purpose and plan of God for your life. And you don't just learn about it. You transform that learning into living. And you do it. You say, well, what can I do for God? All kinds of things. And you know what, beloved? I don't say this as an indictment against anybody. But I'll tell you something. If you can't figure it out yet, it's time to get on your knees because you're not going to figure it out any other way. Get on your knees before God and say, God, what would you have me to do with my life? I'll do anything that you want me to do. He'll show you. He'll show you a multitude of things that you can do. See, the idea is this. People have thought that the only way you can serve God is behind a pulpit. And that's not true. You know, there are those that have a ministry in just writing out cards of encouragement and sending them out to other people. And you have no idea how you encourage other believers in their time of need. And that's a blessing. And anyone can do that. It doesn't have to be some forefront public ministry. You can serve God with your life. And do it joyfully and cheerfully, knowing that you are fulfilling a purpose of His will, and it's all for His glory and honor. It's not for yourself. It's because you love Him. You see, beloved, this is taking those things that we have learned in the Word as a student and transforming all of it into a living experience. Something I said the other one of the other services, I don't know which one, but one service really st struck home with me about people and living right for God, knowing what God would have them to do with their lives. Teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching is very important, but you know what, beloved? You can teach until you're blue in the face. And in many cases until the person is willing to get on their face before God, they won't take that learning and transform it into living. So many want to know 
and they've been taught and they've been taught and they've been taught and they've been taught. But until they get on their face and say, I want to transform this learning into living, they're not going to get anywhere in God, no matter how much we preach it. People have got to get on fire for reality. I mean that. They must want to experience reality with God. And not just in a time of need, but daily, on a day-by-day basis. The Christian life is a daily life. Paul said, I die daily to self so that I might live to Him daily. If you recall, the Israelites were delivered from Egypt. Remember that? And when they were delivered out of Egypt, God had a purpose and a plan in mind for them. They were going to get into that fulfillment of God's plan if they followed these two things that would qualify them as followers of God fully. The first one we just talked about, it's becoming a student of the Word dedicated to transforming learning into living. Secondly, it involved becoming a student of the Spirit. Did you hear that? Becoming a student of the Spirit as well as a student of the Word. A student of the Spirit acknowledging the value and importance of being empowered by the Spirit and led by the Spirit to accomplish the work and the will of God in our lives. Not just a student of the Spirit, but one who acknowledges in his life the work of the Spirit, the activity of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit to empower us and to lead us so that we can be successful in accomplishing the work and the will of God. It's not just the Word alone. It's not just the Spirit alone. It is a working of the Word and the Spirit in a person's life. And so, beloved, to qualify as a true follower of God, one must become a student of the Word and a student of the Spirit, just as Caleb was. You see, the Israelites were delivered from Egypt and they were set on a course by God. They crossed the Red Sea and they were destined for the promised land. He directed them and said, that's where I want you to be. But if you'll do a complete study of this, you'll discover that Jehovah had a purpose in this and that first of a twofold purpose was, number one, to teach them the Word and determine whether or not they would live it. And secondly, was to instruct them as to how to be led by the Spirit of God. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you would, please, and I want to reveal that to you through the Word. Deuteronomy chapter 8. He wanted to school them in the Word and school them in the Spirit so that the Word would become a living thing and so that the Spirit would lead them direct them and guide them along the right path to take. Now, this is something he purposed to do in their lives. And the reason why it's important to understand because is because he also has purposed to do the same thing in our lives. His program hasn't changed. Look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. 
All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. In other words, I wanted to determine whether or not you would live by my word or not. That's what he wanted to determine. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone. Notice, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. See, it's not enough to learn. We must transform learning into living a living experience, and that's what God was looking for. He wanted them to learn so they would transform what they were taught into a living experience in their lives. And so here we see one part of this. In the wilderness, they were directed toward the promised land. There was the fulfillment of that promise ahead of them, but to get there, they had to, first of all, be students of the Word and learn to live the Word. And then secondly, go to the book of Exodus. You'll find the second half of this truth in chapter 40. And I don't think things have changed with us today. I still believe God wants His children to be students of the Word. And in order to follow Him fully, you must become a student of the Word dedicated to transforming learning into living. And I'll say that a thousand times if I have to, beloved. You know why? Because it's got to sink into the person's heart. It really has to. We're sometimes so gung-ho about learning, we forget about the living part of it. Teach me more, teach me more, teach me more. No, let's live by what we know, then we'll get more from God. Amen. Exodus chapter 40, beginning at verse 34. Then a cloud covered the tent of the congregation, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was unable to enter into the tent of the congregation because the cloud abode thereon and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And when the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the children of Israel went onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud were not taken up, then they, then they journeyed not till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the tabernacle by day and the fire was on it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journey. Now, I want you to see this. Here, they are being taught to be led by the Spirit of God. The glory of the Lord, which is really the Spirit of the living God in manifestation by fire and by a cloud, was upon the tent. They've already had their instructions. They were already directed to the promised land. They had the word for it, and they could step out and move according to the word. But they also had to be taught that the Spirit of God has a better vantage point than what they have. And even though they've been authorized by the Word to take off toward the promised land, they had to be aware of the fact that unless they were led by the Spirit, they could endanger their lives. And so they were taught that when the Spirit moves is when you move. 
And if he doesn't move, then that means he's giving you a check. That means don't step out and do something. You see, beloved, it's been throughout all time that God wants us to learn to live by the Word and be led by the Spirit. Even though they have the Word, they just couldn't step out and do what they want to do apart from the Spirit's guidance or direction, empowering or leading. As a matter of fact, didn't Jesus tell His own disciples, Terry, here until what? You be endued with power from on high and then go out? In other words... The cloud doesn't move you out, then don't go. Don't step out. You've got to learn to be led by the Spirit as well as become a student of the Word and live accordingly. So, beloved, here we learn the principles of being someone who wholly follows the Lord or fully follows the Lord. A student of the Word, a student of the Spirit who understands the need for both in his or her life. Now, to bring that more into our time, let me illustrate by saying, people have said things like, I got up in the morning, I applied the blood, I spoke the word of God, whether over my child, over the car, over whatever, and they took off, and got into an accident. Now, where did I miss it? And where did I go wrong? I had the word for it. I spoke the word, did what the word said do. And yet, still something happened. There was an accident. They were not injured or anything like that, and I thank God for that. But, still, I believe it could have been avoided. Now, listen carefully. You know, sometimes we can get very mechanical with speaking the word. That's true. And if we're only taught one way, that is to apply the Word, and we kind of slack off when it comes to focusing in on the Spirit and what He would have to say in a matter, we could become so habitual in confessing the Word over a situation that we actually ignore the leading of the Spirit. We ignore it. Sometimes there are times that God wants His people to also acknowledge the vantage point that the Holy Ghost has and say, now, now, Lord, I know I have Your Word that says I can apply the blood to this situation, I can speak the name of Jesus and expect protection, but is there something I need to know by Your Spirit? Lead me, direct me, guide me, show me what I need to know. And, beloved, I'll be frank about it, I've been there. I've been guilty of it. I know there were situations that the Holy Ghost was trying to get across to me that I was not listening to. And so I just went ahead and mechanically said, well, I speak the word over that situation. I thank God that they're divinely protected and cared for it and that sort of thing. And didn't follow through in prayer. Even though on the inside of me, I just, just had this, that there's something more that needs to be done. And trust me when I say that it's very, it's very fine. It's like a fine line. It's not something that you deliberately say I'm going to do. Well, I'm just going to go back to bed and forget about that, following through with the Holy Ghost, because you kind of think, is that me or is that God? And you kind of war with it and tangle with it and all that. Sometimes he wants us to become, let's say, more concerned about also including the Spirit of God 
in our decision-making, also in praying the prayer of faith. Here's another illustration. In Psalm 118, verse 17, I want you to go to that because I have to point out something that's, I believe, just critical to understanding how to live by faith and be led by the Spirit. In Psalm 118, and we've all been there, and I've been guilty of it myself, and I'll share some secrets of my heart with you that I've warred with over the years. In Psalm 118, verse 17, you see, beloved, learning the Word and transforming it into our lives does not exclude us from being led by the Spirit. Do I need to say that again? Learning the Word and being dedicated to living it or transforming learning into living doesn't exclude us from being led by the Spirit. I want that to sink in. In this verse, 118 verse 17... I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. We use that often when people, let's say, are facing death because of an illness, a sickness, or a disease within their body. And and we'll use that verse. It says, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. I've quoted this with others. And I know that you've quoted this over others. And all the while I was speaking it or confessing it and saying it, you'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. On the inside of me, I knew differently. Down in here, I knew they weren't going to make it. I've had this on numerous occasions. But, you know, we are so word-taught and so word-oriented and so wanting to apply the Word of God in situations that sometimes we ignore what the Holy Ghost is actually saying. And I can rattle off some numerous occasions, beloved. One of the very profound incidents, it was a very profound way that God spoke to my heart, was with the the death of a young child, a baby. And I got to the hospital. These parents had called me to come and, and pray. It's a long story. To make it short, when I got there, I told the family... It's time to pray. And my knees hit the ground. And when my knees, my knees hit the ground, I heard the voice of the Lord coming to me saying, the child is with me already and will not come back. Now, I want you to picture yourself being there with everybody else. And you hear those words inside your heart. And people are either confessing the word or praying or saying, Come on, join together with us. He's going to live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And, and all this is being spoken out and spoken out and spoken out and spoken out. My goodness, you don't want to interrupt that. You don't want to say a word against that. But on my knees, I heard those words. The child is with me and will not return and has found love like he has never known it. Beloved, you're not God and neither am I. And if God said that, so be it. But you know what I did? I didn't have a, whatever, the fortitude or whatever you want to say. I just could not bear to say that. I couldn't in me just bear that, just to, to take it to the parents and just say, this is what the Lord said. And so I just stayed there and prayed with them. I went to the chapel of the hospital and prayed with them. And I thought, I'll just keep on seeking the Lord and seeking the Lord and praying and seeing if we can turn this thing around or whatever. But those words just rang in my spirit. 
I want you to look, get your eyeballs on verse 17, if you would, just for a moment, because I want you to see something here. This is important to all of us. I want you to notice who is speaking. Who is speaking? I shall not die. You know, the person saying, I shall not die, is more powerful than you saying, you shall not die. Did you hear that? Are we really agreeing with someone who knows I shall not die but live? Or are we just joining in trying to manufacture something up on our own to get the word to do something for someone? This psalmist said, I will not die, but live and declare the works of, of the Lord. He was speaking of himself. In the time of trouble, in the time of adversity, in the time of attack, in whatever time, he said, I will not die. And sometimes God wants us to look to his Spirit, to see what we can do to help somebody. But not just take the word so flippantly that we just throw it out there. Regardless of what the Holy Ghost is saying, how many of you know the word and the spirit both agree? You see, I wanted something that really I couldn't have. That child wasn't coming back, thus saith the Lord. And I couldn't change it. You know, I had to settle within my own heart that I couldn't change it. There was nothing I could do. And listen, listen carefully. When you're in the ministry, beloved, let me tell you something. When you're in the ministry, there's a temptation to take the care of all the people that you minister to. You almost feel responsible for their lives. You really do. Do you know what I had to listen to after this incident occurred? And even though I knew in my heart the child was not coming back, the child was with, with the father and he was not coming back, I knew all that and I just wasn't going to disclose anything. I really just, one of the first times I ever experienced anything like that, and I didn't know what to do with it, to be frank about it, so I just kept it to myself. Do you know how to put up with afterwards? Good Christian talk like, if he's such a man of faith, how come he couldn't do anything to bring yet that boy back? And you just go, <laughs> you know, you want to rip your heart out if you could to bring that child back to alleviate the suffering that mother was experiencing and that father was experiencing at that time. The heartache and the pain and the misery. And you get other people criticizing you because you just didn't have what it took to bring that child back. What a terrible attitude. What a horrible attitude to have. See, the Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord. That which is revealed belongs to us and to our children forever, Correct? And you know what? It was since revealed to me as to why that child wasn't coming back. And I, I'm holding that inside my heart as far as those parents are concerned. And I'll never say anything that I know to them. But that was one time God chose to reveal it. I just can't say anything to them. But the point being, beloved, there I was wanting just to say the word when I knew inside my heart the Holy Ghost was saying, no, that's not the case. 
in, in actuality what you end up doing is not preparing the people inevitable. The child is gone. The child's not coming back. Now let's get yourself together and let's pray you through the storm of bereavement and grief. I believe this. If you, if you ever want to hold dear to a verse of Scripture, look at Psalm 138. You're close by. And verse 8. The first part of verse 8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. And if you want to pray a prayer that's effective for yourself, pray this prayer, Lord, you will perfect that which concerns me regarding transforming learning into living. You will perfect that which concerns me or ask Him to perfect that which concerns you with regard to the working of the Spirit in your life. The Spirit's operation, the Spirit's manifestation. And I'm looking to you to do so. Amen? And every single one of us needs that, beloved. Because once again, we can get so mechanical in the Word that we leave the Spirit or the spiritual aspect of it out, and that's not what God wants us to do. I want you to turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 15, because... Jesus himself emphasized both ministries, that is, the ministry of the Spirit as well as the ministry of the Word. And he made it very clear that those who would be true followers would be those who would be dedicated to the teaching of his Word as well as to the leading of his Spirit. And as far as he was concerned, both were essential in the believer's life. He made that very, very clear. In John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. His emphasis here on the word. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Look at the emphasis on the word. Jesus placed a strong emphasis on the word in a, people, in a person's life. And listen carefully, he also emphasized the fruit of that word, didn't he? And bearing fruit means what? Transforming learning into living. A living reality in the Word. He doesn't stop there. Before his departure, he also talks about the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 13 of chapter 16. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Yes, we have the Word, but we cannot disassociate the Word from the ministry of the Spirit. For the Word and the Spirit both agree in one. And he is coming to guide us into all truth and to show us things that are to come. I believe we are to step out acting on the Word of God knowing that this is what God said that we have in His Word. It's a covenant right. It's a privilege that we have. And we are 
totally committed to the fulfillment of that word in our lives and we step out and along the way we need the guidance that comes by the Spirit. The direction that comes by the Spirit. If he says, yes, it is yours, but this is what you have to do, I say we better do it. Amen? That reminds me of Brother Hagin when he was lying on his deathbed and he got a hold of the Word of God that said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive it and you shall have it. And he finally saw the reality of that and he spoke out to the Lord saying, I believe I received healing for the paralysis, for the incurable blood disease and the, and the deformed heart. I believe I received that. And the Holy Ghost then spoke and said, well, people that are well don't stay in bed. Can you see that? He's acting out on the Word of God and the Word of God specifically says he can have that healing for his body. Now the Holy Ghost says, now act on it. Well, people don't lie in bed. Get up. He's paralyzed. The Spirit and the Word agreeing in one to bring reality into our lives. He's going to guide you into all truth. He is going to show you things to come. He's going to speak to you what he hears of the Father. See, we cannot ignore that. We cannot ignore what he is saying, what he is showing, what he is guiding us into. That is a definite vital part of following the Lord fully. And to be frank about it, beloved, because he cannot be seen, many really have not given themselves over unto learning how to flow with the Spirit of God, learning how to distinguish the voice of the Spirit, learning how to be led by the Spirit, learning the value of being empowered by the Spirit. The work of the Lord on earth is done not in the power or might of human strength, we are told, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. We need to know the Holy Ghost. We must learn about His operation. We must learn about His manifestation and how we can best promote His activity in our lives and also in the lives of others. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 13 and verse, we're going to read verses 1 and 2 to show you what I mean. Sometimes when you're dealing with situations where people need help, You'll do everything that you know to do, let's say, to minister life to that person. Have you ever been there before where someone needed help from God and so you handed them this book and said, here, read that. Study this. This will bless you. This will help you. We've all been there before. And I'm not saying that it's not a proper tool. It could and will be a blessing to the person if they will read it. But then again, there are times when we try just to minister to that person to try to help that person and maybe spend time doing so. I want you to see something here about the Spirit's operation that will help us better understand how to help people receive from the Lord. In Acts 13, verses 1 and 2, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Monian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. 
It does not say as a minister to Sister Mary, the Holy Ghost said. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. Not as they ministered to Brother John, the Holy Ghost said. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said. See, sometimes we're trying to pray for people rather than ministering unto the Lord so the Holy Ghost could say something and give us direction. It's in the atmosphere of worship and praise unto God and ministering unto the Lord that the Holy Ghost said. Well, what did he say? Separate me Barnabas and Saul. Now he specifically says something about Barnabas and Saul. They weren't praying about Barnabas and Saul. They were ministering unto the Lord. Beloved, I found this to be true. If you can get the person himself or herself to minister unto the Lord, the Holy Ghost will say some things to them about their own condition. This is Revelation beloved that's very helpful we take it upon ourselves thinking that i'm the minister you're responsible for every life that's not necessarily the truth the full truth we've got to help people by giving them the word but also by instructing them to put themselves in a position where they can receive from the spirit and they have to learn how to know what the spirit is saying to them and apply it to their own life and their own situation and see, beloved, to be successful, I believe that's my responsibility to do that. To teach the Word of God and also to share on the ministry of the Spirit and leading people into worshiping the, the Father in such a way that the Spirit of God has liberty or opportunity to move and say some things that need to be said. You just try to get in there and say some things, you know, for somebody else, to get him to say some things for somebody else by ministering to the person not necessarily is going to be very helpful. But you can see in this atmosphere, the Holy Ghost will begin to speak. So there's a good lesson here to be learned that we can transform into living about the Holy Ghost. You minister to the Father in the Spirit, He'll speak. And my closing verse is found here in 2 Thessalonians, if you would please, in chapter 1. You see, you can't make the Holy Ghost say anything about anyone. Did you know that? Well, I want you to tell me what to do for Sister So-and-so. You can't make the Holy Ghost tell you something about anyone. You can only position yourself to be used of the Lord. You can also teach the person that you want to minister to how to position themselves, himself, herself, to hear from God. See, sometimes, again, we take it upon ourselves to do the whole thing, and that's not what God wants us to do. Caleb had the right spirit within him, and that right spirit was a spirit that not only enabled him to gain entrance into the promised land, but also his seed after him. And that right spirit included a desire to know the Word and walk in light of the Word as well as be led by the Spirit of God, and he was. This verse of Scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. This is called the work of faith with power. The Word becoming a living experience 
and the knowledge of the leading of the Spirit and the empowering of the Spirit as well as the manifestation and operation of the Spirit in our lives. That enables God to fulfill in us all the good pleasure of His will. He wants to do such glorious things in people's lives. But when it comes to understanding the operation of the Word and the operation of the Spirit, many are bankrupt and have no working knowledge. Come on, beloved. Church altars are filled throughout the United States of America, everywhere someone is running to someone to get from God something that they should be seeking God for on their own. Boy, that hurts, doesn't it? We've all been there, though. I don't know about you, but we'd be a whole lot easier if God just had, like I said, come up to the altar and zap, give me it every time, just like that, or the divine card. Remember the divine card? Just like a Mac card, punch it into the divine machine, punch in your number, what do you want? Healing, press one, two. Baptism in the Holy Ghost, press three, four. What do you want? And then the card pops out. Want to continue any further? Et cetera, et cetera. That's it. Wouldn't that be nice? But the average person, if he or she had to wait on God for any length of time, is like, oh, why does it have to be like this? But beloved, this is following God fully. You're learning to know His Word. You're learning to be led by His Spirit. As a result, He will fulfill in you the good pleasure of His goodness as well as the work of faith with power in your life. And the name, look at verse 12, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.